Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Geographer podcast series from the Department of Education and Outdoor Learning at the Royal Geographical Society with IBG. I'm Harry. In each podcast, I'll meet geographers from around the world to ask them about topical events, timely publications, and geographical research. Today we are joined by second year Cambridge undergraduate and BME student, Victoria Ayodeji, who will be talking to us about her journey from Hackney to Cambridge and how she accessed the UK's top university as a second generation migrant from Nigeria. Hello, Victoria. Hi. Thank you for joining us today at the Royal Geographical Society. Um, first question, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're studying at the moment? So I'm Victoria, like you said. Um, I'm from East London and I am currently a second year geography student at Cambridge University. So for geography at Queen's College, there's around six of us in my year and teaching happens within the department. So I go to lectures with everyone else at other colleges in the geography department. But when it comes to actually um, doing any other academic work, it's done more holistically. Uh, but then when it comes to supervisions, which are basically small, um, small style teaching, where you get to maybe like two to three students, or maybe two to four, are speaking with one academic about an essay they wrote on a certain topic. And that usually happens within colleges, but sometimes I can have supervisions with other people from other colleges. That sounds really lovely. So a university within a university, exactly. so to speak. Um, and what are you studying there at the moment? Uh, you're obviously a geography undergraduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do both human and physical geography. So the course in, at Cambridge for geography in first year, all the modules are compulsory. So it's 60% human and 50% physical. And I really like that because back when I was in school, I enjoyed doing both human and physical geography. And that's something that was quite important to me and I wanted to carry on doing. And also like the link between human and physical geography, which sounds very cliche, but yeah. <laughs> and so coming second year, I thought I want to continue that. So I do glaciology as my only physical geography topic. Which is unusual for someone from London? Yes, arguably. Um, <laughs> but I did enjoy it a lot um, in first year. So we did a topic called the Christ Fair, which touches on that. But second year, it builds on a lot more technical. And then I also study citizenship and societies. So I thought that was like very, very interesting. For example, last... So I'm currently going to go into my second term at university. But last term, we had lectures on like race and citizenship within the UK. So looking at um, Windrush and, you know, what does it mean to be a citizen in the UK? And obviously how that's quite... How can that be quite contested... And I thought that was quite interesting. And so I also study development, which I've always been very passionate about development since I was year 12. So that was like one of my favourite topics when I was in school. And then there's also um, a more like holistic module that Cambridge does called Living with Global Change, which brings together human and physical geography. But then it also asks wider questions about risk. Um, so like why risk is like contested, um, how do we go about like perceiving risk in society? Which I thought was quite interesting. Like I had a supervision on um, budget calling in the UK, so that was interesting. And what's a supervision? So a supervision is basically small one to three teaching. So three students, maybe two students or four students will have teaching with one academic. So you have to write, you're usually write an essay or might do a presentation on a topic. For example, budget calling and how it links into risk. Then you go to supervision and you discuss it with the other students. And I think for me, I really like them because it allows me to learn from my other peers. And I think, if anything, 
there's a quote that I always like to use when describing university, is iron sharpens iron. Rather than seeing it as a way like, oh, well, damn, like, these people are so smart, um, find it, use it as a way to think, oh, how can I learn from them? I think supervision really, really allow that to happen. Can you tell me where you're from in the country? What's your background? Yeah, so I'm from East London. I went to school in Hackney. Um, I was born and raised there. East London girl through and through. <laughs> Both of my parents migrated from Nigeria okay. um, to, the, to Hackney around 25 years ago. So, like, I'm, I'm second generation, I guess, migrant. You can say that, yeah. How did you get the idea of going to Cambridge in your head? So, I went to an academy in Hackney. Whilst we were not year 12, I actually realised that I was actually a little more passionate about humanities. So, geography, history, RS, I was very good at them when I was doing my GCSEs. And my teachers were very supportive. So, I had very good geography teachers like Mr Nash, Mr Wilkes and Mr Nichols. And I think geography at my school was just fantastic. So I was able to actually go into lessons and actually enjoy myself and enjoy the content. But I didn't necessarily think, because of my background, I think a lot of students who come from perhaps like working class families may think that just based on exposure, if you don't do law um, at university, people kind of think about, you know, how a certain degree leads you to a certain career. And it's quite difficult to try and unlearn that. But through exposure, when I was in year 12, I was on a programme called Career Ready. And it's a fantastic programme that runs in state schools across the country. And my mentor, she did politics at York University. And now she is a commercial lawyer at Clifford Chance in Canary Wharf. So that was the first time I ever met someone who, okay, she, she didn't do law at university, but now she's a lawyer. So therefore it meant that actually, perhaps I should focus more on the subject rather than the career at the end. And that's one thing. Secondly, when I was in year 12, I met a girl called Naima um, through her, because I was friends with her younger brother. And... Her older sisters went to Cambridge. And that's the first time I ever met people from Hackney who went to Cambridge. I was like, whoa, this is fantastic. And so Naima was, when I was in school in sixth form, applying to university, she was already at Cambridge studying geography. And she was the first person in my school to go to Cambridge. So she um, really, really motivated me, seeing someone who was from my area went to my school in a subject I want to study. And you mentioned Career Ready as like a platform that mm-hmm. allowed you to, to access Cambridge. It gave you that exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Career Ready... Um, we're already through my mentor, so my mentor was very... She motivated me a lot to when I applied to Cambridge. She was like, yeah, you can do it, Victoria. Also, charities like Target Oxbridge, so they help African-Caribbean students with applying to Oxbridge. And I had a mentor called Josh, and Josh, phenomenal man. So he went to Oxford to do geography, and he got the highest first in his year. And so I, like, yeah, what a mentor to have. Yeah. So that was, again, like, very motivating to have him. Um, and through him, I was able to have mock interviews... Same thing with Phoebe, and then also a charity called Into University. And again, I had another mentor. Again, this is all free. Um, my other geography teachers were Mr. Wilkes and Miss Nichols. Again, just having good geography teachers makes a big difference yeah. in a child's passion for their subject. And then I remember vividly when I was in year 12, Miss Nichols, so before I was thinking about geography, I think I still wanted to be a dentist back then. She invited me and another student who wanted to do geography at university to your mock interview at Charterhouse School. Um, so that was like a good opportunity to know more about, I guess, applying to Oxbridge. So yeah. Miss Nichols had a big, big impact as well. Yeah, and then yeah. also like Mr. Wilkes. I just had very good job teachers. It sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. So from the last census, the UK has three percent Black British residents, which Cambridge uh, has now matched with three point four percent of undergrads for 2019-2020 being Black students. Um, did the campus, when you were there um, and going into your, your third mm-hmm. year, do you think it? feels diverse and multicultural? I think it 
depends on like how you would define it. So for me, I was on a gap year before I went to university. So obviously I'm from East London, East London's very multicultural. I went to a very multicultural secondary school. Then I lived in Newcastle for a bit when I was working for a consulting company on my gap year. And I also lived in Silicon Valley when I was on an internship. So I was quite familiar with being away from Hackney. And of course, I always knew that Hackney was an anomaly when it came to, I guess, perhaps multiculturalism to other parts of the UK that were more rural, for example. Um, so I think going back to the question, when I got to university, I was quite accustomed with not always being in, like, quote-unquote, multicultural spaces. But if anything, I really, really, I really realised the importance of making multicultural societies, like African-Caribbean society. And right now I'm the... BME, so the Black Minority Ethnic Officer at my college, Queen's. And so that's been quite good to like push different initiatives. Like I'm going to be running a BME Access Day in March for students from state schools who want to apply to Oxbridge from a BME background, so working class BME students. And BME standing for Black Minority, Minority Ethnic. Ethnic. Yeah, or BAME sometimes you see it in literature. And the ACS standing for the African Caribbean Society. Um, so do you think, um, getting topical here, uh, that a lot of... Uh, the um, achievements in diversity at Cambridge University of, of, due to the Stormzy effect? It's very multifaceted. I think it's quite difficult to put it on one person. But if anything, having Stormzy back in the university or having partnerships has been very influential. But I think also the role of like having supportive teachers, having supporting, supportive family members, programmes like Target Oxbridge, charities more generally like the Sociability Foundation, um, into university... But then also the work of current students. So I actually mentored four students who wanted to study geography um, and they all got interviews. So fingers crossed for them. So I think a lot of like, current students have a lot of, uh, play a significant role on mentoring, like going back to schools, going back to my old school, mentoring students there. Um, you want to go to Oxbridge. So it's quite multifaceted. I think when it comes to education and entertainment, it's everyone's problem. It's everyone's, everyone should get involved. I don't think it's down to one individual. And Stormzy has just, I guess, put a spotlight on it. 100%. Um, it's interesting you mentioned current and former um, students. Um, uh, in anticipation of your application, did you follow any uh, social media influencers like Courtney Daniela? Yes, yeah, so I followed um, Courtney Daniela and another YouTuber called Ibsmo. And so Ibsmo actually went to a state school in Hackney. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, someone from Hackney at um, Cambridge. And he was just very, very relatable. Um, and Courtney, she had a video with her friend called Renee, and they spoke, I think the video's got over 300,000 views on YouTube, fantastic video to watch, and they spoke about their experience growing up in North London, went to state schools, and then they were currently students at Oxford and Cambridge. And again, they're just so relatable, it's like, wow, people who are from a similar background to myself were at Oxbridge, and then I actually got to meet Renee, so Oxford ACS. So Oxford African Caribbean Society, they run a conference every single year, and so does Cambridge, an access conference for your 12 students from African Caribbean backgrounds who want to study at Oxbridge from Max State Schools. And so then I went to their conference, and I actually heard about it because of that video, because she linked in the description. Um, through the Social Mobility Foundation and my school, um, my head of six for my head of six for my time, um, screen, I heard about Insight into Bristol, which is a programme for students who are from state schools in London, and I got to do geography a week at University of Bristol and then once you f complete the programme you actually get a conditional offer All right. so when you apply to university it's like oh cool I already got Bristol <laughs> and then because of, of the type of school I went to I got a con contextual offer that's when they reduce um, your offer based on the fact that I guess the context in which you have to get certain grades is a bit different because of the school you went to and that summer access programme also uh, ran in yeah, Cambridge, Cambridge. Yeah, so in your college right? 
Yeah, so um, Charity with Sutton Trust, they run a variety of programmes. Yeah. And one of their flagship, one of their main programmes is Sutton Trust Summer Schools. And so I applied to one of, at Geography. Um, and again, these summer schools were really useful because it meant that I was able to know 100% that I wanted to do Geography University. Um, the same way if you go to open days, you speak to current university students, you actually know whether or not you want to study Geography. So I did that at Queen's College, and then that was the main reason as to why I applied to Queen's College in the end. And actually this summer, or last summer, because we're in 2020, <laughs> last summer I helped out at a certain trust summer school, so it's like full circle. So is that networking as well as um, making the most of your opportunities, do you think? Definitely. If anything, I didn't know I was networking when I was younger. I just thought, oh, I'm like, proactive, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a bit bold. So is university the best time of your life? Oh, that's a very good question. Yeah. I think there's definitely be some ups and downs, and that happens for a lot of students. I'd like to think my postgraduate life would be a lot more like fun. <laughs> um, but I think it's okay to just realise that sometimes you won't always be happy, and that's okay, because that's life. And sometimes you might miss home, or sometimes you might miss being in your like home area. But it's just about making the most of university. Take what you need to take from it, whether that's being on the trajectory to, I don't know, a lucrative career, or whether that's networking, whether that's just actually just enjoying your subject and speaking to academics who are at the forefront of their research. And had you ever been to Cambridge um, before you started your college? You mentioned a summer school. Mm -hmm. um, and if you did visit, um, did the perception meet the reality, having now started your undergraduate yeah. degree? So I think initially a lot of students who may go to like non-selective state schools think of Cambridge or Oxford as like, oh, very... I don't know, there's like, people think there's a stereotype for a student. As in people think, oh, they all went to like private school, they all like, might be snobby or whatever. And I think initially I did have that perception, just based on like what you read in the media. But when I went to summer schools and when I was on Target Oxbridge, I actually met students who are from a similar background to myself. Again, I mentioned Naima earlier, and it actually tried to it actually demystified that idea that there's a certain stereotype of a student. It's just I don't know. I don't think there should really necessarily be a stereotype. If you, you worked hard enough to get here, you shouldn't let your background stop you from enjoying that opportunity. Have I been to Cambridge before? Yes, I went to Cambridge in year eleven. Um, I visited Clare College because the Clare College have a link with Hackney schools, like other Oxbridge colleges do. So my college, Queen's, for example, have a link with Kent, Havering and Bradford. And the Access team, I actually give them a shout out, the Access team do amazingly. Um, and they were actually highly commended in their award category. So the, the charity, there's a charity called Upreach and also the UK Government's Social Mobility Commission. Every year they run a award ceremony at the House of Lords called the Student Social Mobility Awards. And they basically recognise students from social mobility backgrounds, but then also organisations and schools that help students from those backgrounds succeed. So I think, if anything, it's a very celebratory event. And so on the night, Queen's College was commended. And then also on the night, I managed to... Um, I was like, very fortunate to get two awards. So that was like nice. So how is, how is geography at A-level different to um, geography at Cambridge in Queen's College. Um, you mentioned earlier the cryosphere. A lot of students study the carbon cycle for their A-level geography. Um, does that continue? Is there a thread into, into being an undergraduate? Yeah, I think probably one of the best things about um, the geography course is very cumulative. Like definitely 100% there's a thread. So a lot of what you learn in the school is very applicable to what you learn um, in first year, for example. When I was in school, I studied spatial inequality, and that was obviously very relevant when I studied unequal geographies when I was in first year. So that's to do with like geographical inequality, income inequality. Um, but when it comes to university, you learn a lot about a variety of things that you didn't necessarily think was geography. So one of my, I guess, favourite topics 
was culture geography and historical geography as well. And it's like understanding, like, what is it? How do you define culture? What does culture mean? And also a lot, a lot about, like, the production of knowledge. So our understanding of academia, our understanding of geography as a whole is very much based on how certain groups of people in society feed others and then capitalise off of that. And so our understanding of geography and, you know, what is knowledge and what isn't knowledge, what get, get chosen to be on the curriculum is, like, very much dependent on, like, social societal structures. So if anything, I think sometimes the human geography is very sociological, which I like. And so for cultural geography, what I was very interested in, so when I was in on my gap year, I was, I'd watch a lot of YouTubers from Toronto in Canada. And obviously, like I mentioned, I'm from East London. So obviously, different areas have slang words that use. It's like obviously part of the culture. So <laughs> I would listen to the Torontonian YouTubers and I think, oh my gosh, what? The slang words they use are literally the same. I thought, whoa, this is like fascinating. So I thought, you know what, I've got a hypothesis. I've got like a hypothesis and like, you know, Drake, for example, in a lot of his albums, for example, More Life or Views from the Six, there's a lot of that grime influence. So grime being the UK um, genre, um, music genre, and then also influence from dancehall, bashment in the Caribbean. So obviously um, last year and the year before, there's a lot of talk about to what extent does drill music have an effect on knife crime? I think there is, like, not necessarily a big effect. If anything, it's about how can society, how can the state focus on providing opportunities for young people who are very vulnerable and actually get involved with night crime. Dual music isn't necessarily a catalyst. It's about the fact that people come from perhaps maybe broken families or there's not a lot of opportunities in their area. It's a lot more bigger than one issue mm. of dual music um, or grime music. And so, if anything, the drug free music, that's a thing. <laughs> That's what I learned in university. Like, there's so much different. There's so many different avenues that can be explored within geography. So the globalization of slang or drill music or Afrobeats, exactly influencing music abroad. Yeah, I think also to bring it back to Drake and geography. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to the whole idea of like, cultural appropriation and you know to what extent is Drake a culture vulture? But then it brings back. It kind of goes back to the idea that you know to what extent is someone's cultural identity dependent on what other people say the cultural identity is? Do we give individuals agency to? identify and like to what extent do you like define your own identity or is it based on like you know your surroundings and stuff or is it is it given to you or projected by mm-hmm. society yeah yeah really interesting drake drake and geography exactly that could be that could be the title <laughs> um fantastic that has been so interesting thank you victoria um i hope people um will listen to this and take on board what you've said about summer schools access days and the conference for the african caribbean society at cambridge What a great way to finish. Um, Thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to our Ask the Geographer podcast series on iTunes or SoundCloud.com. Be inspired and stay informed with the Society's wide range of resources, many of which are free. School membership unlocks access to other excellent resources, including online lectures, and many other tailor-made benefits for teachers and students. Access our resources at www.rgs.org schools.